Hello and welcome to Breaking Late, a motorsports podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is JD. How's it going, mate? Not too bad. How about you, Michael? Yeah, it's been all right. Had an eventful weekend over in Winton. Yeah, really enjoyable to watch, actually. There's uh, quite a lot of strategy game going on over there and um, brought up some uh, new, another new winner, yeah, well, double you, winner for the weekend. You wanted another joker in the pack and you got him in the form of Tim Slade. Definitely. Tim uh, Tim drove a great weekend and BJR needed a pat on the back. They really set that car up good. Uh, yeah, they do. Um, Bradley needs an award for changing shirt as quick as possible. I think on Saturday he was wearing a BOC shirt. Yeah, best mates with his... Uh, He's Bok guys, so... Yeah, but oh, well done, you guys. You've done well. You've deserved it. You've put in the hard yards, and now it's finally starting to pay off. Yeah, they, they're definitely better on those um, high-grip surfaces. So, Winton, it should be interesting to see how strong they are when they come to Darwin. That's another high-grip track, only newly resurfaced. I think it was the year before last. So, it will be really interesting to see how they go in Darwin as well. Frosty come away from the weekend with a good haul of points. He did everything he needed to do right, and... Um, really managed the car quite well. And I think they were saying on Speed Cafe today, saying a second to Frosty was as good as a win. And he really was the best of the rest this weekend. Pumped him up to number one spot on the championship standings. Yeah, I I think um, he didn't expect to be doing as well as they did. I really don't think he expected to do that well at that. They didn't qualify well in race 11. He was, I think, in Scaife said during the commentary... That starting 10th, he doesn't have a chance, he's too far back. Yeah, agreed. And he didn't feel that he could get on the podium. Um, And to come away with a couple of strong finishes was really, really good. Really strong work from the team. And realistically, he seems to be the only one in the pro drive uh, team of the weekend that could get the strategy right and everything else, stay out of trouble. Uh, the other drivers seem to get in a bit of trouble. Yeah, well, the other two guys had their run-ins. Mostert had his run-in with Courtney, and Waters had a run-in with everyone else. There, there definitely needs to be some more consistency from those uh, the, the younger fellows from the team. Mostert was impressive in qualifying, but it was good to see him back to his uh, his last year's sort of pace. You know, how yeah. he was sort of paving the way for Frosty with these. Uh, with qualifying last year, he was really dominant in qualifying. He, he couldn't put the races together quite as well as Frosty, but. He was pushing Frosty in every qualifying session. He was really, he was there. Yeah, but he really struggled in race 11 to get it off the line. He had that small jump and... Um, yeah, he, he, I think he jumped the start slightly and then um, maybe went into sort of a, like a, a anti-stall or he lost where his revs were or something, a clutch bite or something. Something was wrong there and everyone behind him sort of just followed him. No one, yeah. no one left the line. Yeah, we're saying as well, if you actually see the in-car footage going down the street where the lights are, if you aren't in the front two rows, you can't see the lights. No, the lights are way too dull. They're, they're, not a, they're an old halogen light. They're not big LED lights like they have at most tracks these days. Um, they're really luminescent that you can tell when they're on or off. Yeah. They, they, with the sunlight, you could barely see the light. Well, we had a little bit of a look at the lights anyway going over Fabian's start. I still believe that he... I don't know. They obviously have the the, the wheel speed sensors and everything um, on the on the data to see what actually happened. But geez, it that was close. It looked like a jump start from my naked eye, but obviously he must have just yeah. got it smack bang on the dot, and he was gone as soon as that light was out. He was gone. But to Faven's credit, he got that off the line. Like once that was going, he was gone. Yeah, he got that jump yep. straight off. He was. I thought. Oh, Fabian's got this because Winton's basically turned into a track you can't pass on now with a new um, 
surface. Before we get on to the drivers that did really well through the weekend, um, we'll get on the ones that didn't do so well. Triple Eight struggled again. Yeah, yeah Lowndes great qualifying for um, Sunday, but overall pretty. It's like a ninth. And yeah, an he, he he dragged some points out of the weekend, and I think he's happy with what he got. It was just a, it was a, a, a quite a weak weekend. Volvo had some a bit of an up and down weekend with um, Scotty. Yeah, Scotty finished um, third, I think it was in on Saturday. Saturday, and then Sunday was quite a bit down the. I don't even know if he, was he top pitted 10. really late Sunday, and he just lost the track position and couldn't recover. I think they may be waiting for a safety car or something like that as well, mm. like hanging out for a safety car and get that halo sort of massive jump up the field and it would they would have looked like legends if they come out in the end of the race that late pit stop safety car fresh tires everyone's on hold you know they could have jumped up the field a bit but it, it just never came no and hrt still had a bit miserable of a sh- yeah a shocker of a weekend james courtney driving around with three doors on his car yep um he had that run in with mustard that all got put down to a racing incident they had a bit of Push and shove. Mostert or Waters? I can't remember. It was Mostert. It was Mostert. It pretty much yeah, it it ruined Mostert's race. He launched up the inside and um, clipped the curb and it put it up on two wheels and he just yep. ended up driving straight in the side of Courtney. Yeah, it pretty much destroyed both their races. I think Courtney finished a few laps down. He was just out there circulating, trying to get whatever little points that they could. Um, um, he did hey, his best to keep out of the way, though, which was good. There was a few points there that had the leaders coming through, and especially yeah. when Fabian and um, Frosty were running down at the end, last of the few laps. I was re-watching it going, I even took notes going, James Courtney, good boy, got out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I think HRT's got to be really careful because both those drivers are up for new contracts. Yep. Um, honestly, I don't know if it's the best place to be if you're a driver at the moment a lot of their results i think are actually coming down to how good their drivers are they've got two of the best drivers in the field they do um and i think they're relying on that too much because you can see it's not a fluke that they qualified 20 i think it's 20th and 21st or something on sunday that is car pace they were side by side there's that's how slow they are at the moment well, and it, it's something that i have noticed watching the last few races is no matter where they qualify, it's always those two always end up racing each other through the race. So it's like their cars are so evenly paced yeah, and so doing it's like, bad. It's like F one. They've got to you got to beat your teammate, and and you know if like coming from karting, my background. If I go to a bigger meeting and there's say thirty plus carters there, say I'm not qualifying that great. As long as I can qualify faster than the bloke that's got the same card as me, I still take a little win out of that, and then I work my way forward from there. Uh, these boys will be doing the exact same thing with this. They're not qualifying very well, but as long as they beat, if Courtney beats Tander every time, and it'll make him slightly more happy. He won't be happy with where they are, but he'll it'll, it'll definitely make him take something something positive away from that. And HR team really need to look at themselves, but because Dave Reynolds did. A way better job. Oh, he was just doing a magnificent job on the weekend. I was very surprised. I think all of Erebus really enjoyed it. He yeah, was yep. just quick. He was. And um, I think they had uh, some car pace there because if you have a look when uh, Murph jumped in, I think he was top 10. Yeah, he didn't do too bad. Um, Co-drivers. I so. think Murph tried taking some credit for their car pace on Sunday on, yeah, in the yeah, telecast. He's yeah. like, well, you can thank me for setting it up. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty funny. Another one of the co-drivers that I was pretty impressed with was the old man, Russell Engel, fifth fastest. Wow, that's not bad. Grandpa can drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there's no expiry date on drivers, apparently. Michael, what do you think of the fact um, 
Rick still did quite a good job in my view. Uh, he missed out on a bit of practice there. He lost one, he, I think it was practice two. He pretty much didn't compete in because he had a slipping clutch. How do you think the Nissans were going over the weekend? Um, I think the Nissans are doing really well. I think Rick is probably one of the next contenders to actually get on the podium or win a race. He's the best of the Nissans currently, I think. Yeah, I think um, Rick's definitely getting the most out of the car. The car's come a long way. I'm really impressed with how far their car pace has come this year. Yep. Um, they've been more consistent. And I was actually reading a, a report from Rick, and he thinks they can be top five at any track this year. Yeah, I did as see long that as they today. Get, yeah, as long as they get everything right, which is which is racing in general. You've <laughs> yeah. got to get it all right to be top five. That's it. That's, doesn't really matter, but it's really good to see him with that confidence. I don't think you, if you asked him that last year, he, I don't think he would have agreed with that. No, they've definitely over the off season, they've um, they've come out with his new cars and just been quick from the get go. I think he finished on the podium in Calypso, or one of the Nissans did. That was Caruso, probably. Caruso did, yeah, yeah. Um, but Caruso yeah. was the standout driver, I think, for Nissan last year too. Him and Moth were more so than both the Kelly boys, and Rick's really stepped up this year. I think. Maybe because he's got a more competitive car, he's it's just put a bit of a spring in his step. You can see it. He really is looking more confident out there, and he's really going for it. One thing I was going to bring up, Michael, was uh, there was a in practice in the co-drivers, Alex Rollo, now the youngest ever V8 supercar driver. Really? 15 years old. 15. Holy crap. 15 years old. That's right. Main game, 15 years old. He's driven as a co-driver, of course. Uh, but Still. yeah, that's pretty impressive. I don't know. I think at fifteen, I'd only just started go karts, so it is it is quite impressive to go out there and manhandle one of these yeah well, big heavy cars, which you really got to pedal around the track. They're not an easy car to drive. No, when I was fifteen, I was out back of Leanya Swamp, my cousin's car, doing a bit of Tim Slade work mm. <laughs> using the dirt turbo. Yeah, good old dirt turbo. No, it was that was pretty impressive. He did a right job, and he's going to take some good time away from his. He didn't do. A heap of laps i think he only got about 10 laps all up in his couple of sessions he did the experience still but it is a big experience and being in there with engineers and talking to them about what he did in his laps and stuff like that it would be really good stuff that he can take back to the development series he drives for lucas dumbbell racing and development series so it's it'll be really some good stuff he the co-drive session he actually drove for um adrian heimgardner's car for lucas uh, dumbbell yeah. So if he can get into a Bathurst or something like that, that would be amazing. A 15-year-old driver there, I'm not sure if that's what they're going to do, but it was good to get some seat time for him all up. So, JD, we'll just have a quick recap of the championship standings. Yeah, Mark Winterbottom doing a great job now. He's right up there on top on 1,083 points. Really impressive for him to start putting it all together. He's we said last um, week on the podcast that he needs to, his bad races were hurting him. Um, he did a great job this week. He's come out consistent seconds yeah, in the well, grand scheme of it. A second you don't have is, to win any races to win a championship. No, you, you just, just got to be up there on the podium, bank those more, points more frequently than anyone else. Scotty's jumped the Red Bulls. Yeah, Scotty. Scotty did a good job at the last meeting, and then he backed it up with a couple of solid finishes this meeting, um, and got some good points from the Saturday race, which really helped him along the they line did. there. There's... And they're not like admittedly, no one's uh, no one's got a big gap here. I think from first to fifth. First to fifth is just under a hundred points. In yeah, it. under a hundred points. So if you get a race win, hundred and fifty points from uh, the two race weekends. Uh, that's going to jack, jack you straight up the top of the oh, leaderboard. Well, you look at Tim Slade, he's jumped straight up to seventh now. He's on 819 points from this weekend, which 
I think something... I th- think Tim Slade's probably a little hungover right now. We're recording on the Monday and he would have had a big night. Good on them. Good yeah, on them. They, they deserve it. They've got four weeks. It doesn't matter. They've got plenty of time to clean the dust out of that car. It's plenty of time to go down to Winton, replant some grass. Yeah, I, 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 I know Laurie from up here that runs our track. He would be losing it if someone did that on our track. Um, one thing I found really interesting looking at the championship is look at who's in third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Triple eights. Triple eight cars. That is, that's wow. Yeah, and really, there's only three points separating Jamie and Craig in um, third and fourth. And yeah. Ben Gisberg, he's got his 97 on him at there. 997. He does have, that's, that's, that's got to be an omen. Maybe he's going to win the next race. Or maybe he'll stay on the yeah, same points Jamie, for the rest of the year. You can't win another race, man. You'll grow up. You're, you're, you're going to get 100 numbers. points exactly, mate. <laughs> Who else is driving a triple eight chassis? Lee Holdsworth. Wow. Lee Holdsworth had a um, bad Sunday. What was the failure? Gearbox. Gearbox failure. Oh, that's what I heard on the on the broadcast. I'm not sure if that is 100% correct, but yeah, they had a they had a gearbox failure, and it was really tough watching Lee sitting mm. there watching the race. is not It's not good. He looks so promising in Tasmania. Yeah, and they've got a good car. It is a Triple Eight chassis, so that they have potential. They've just got to work out how they engineer it properly. Triple um, Eight has is gonna give them some more support i think they're going to do a test day with triple eight again looking forward to hidden valley michael what's your views yeah well hidden valley is always a great time for us up here yeah it's my birthday nearly every year at hidden valley <laughs> i con me. all my mates into coming that's my birthday present come drink with me down at hidden valley <laughs> there's been um many a time that we've sat up on bogan hill and drank the day away yeah, it has. Unfortunately, last year, well, not unfortunately, I enjoyed it, but I was pitting for our touring car master team last year, so um, I didn't get to enjoy it quite as much. I didn't get to see much of the racing, to be honest. I was standing there watching the last race, and I was standing in Shane Van Gisbergen's pit when he was with Techno Steel, and next minute, a bloke's like, oh, excuse me, mate, can I get past? And I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. And then next minute, I turned around, and, oh, Shane, oh, how'd you go today? <laughs> Completely unknowing of how he went. <laughs> Yeah, so well, and he, he had a crash. So well, it was probably not the best person to ask how his day's been. <laughs> well, you get that. I um I had a run in with Shane too one time. Once again, we keep standing at the front of his pit, and <laughs> he's a nice guy. Look, he, he doesn't matter. He's, a, he's he's just another bloke. <laughs> we never realised there was times he sort of like he's quite polite when he tries to get past you, especially when we're there in our little conversations. One of my favourite times was one year uh, we went down to the pits after the race, and we're both wearing Red Bull shirts and black pants, and just standing right out the front of um pro drive and just having a look i think one of them had some damage or something there were some damaged panels out there and we're just standing out the back of the thing and a couple of the um pro drive pit crew guys are like mm, grab up this panel and just move that inside you don't need to be looking at that <laughs> yeah yeah i don't want you seeing what's under there <laughs> Hidden Valley, we'll do a probably an extended broadcast or something um, from there. If you hit us up on Facebook and stuff, we'll, I'll probably post a few photos and stuff and a few little videos and stuff of Hidden Valley as well. Uh, like us at Breaking Late on Facebook. Yep. Um, I'm constantly putting motorsport stuff and news feed up there for people as well. If you're interested in having a quick squiz, most of them, if you just read the title, you'll get the, get the view of what we're going to be talking about each week. But yeah. Uh, it's a bit of extra news for you as well, a bit more in depth. But yeah, like feel free to comment on that of anything that you want us to add, especially coming into a round that we can get a bit more up close and personal. But JD, your um, qualifying predictions for, I know it's still a long way off and we're not till the end of June. 
Jeez, that's a hard. Well, there's I'm no thinking... more races between now and then. So, what do you think? Lowndes did well here last year. He got his hundredth win here in Darwin last year. Oh, didn't we celebrate that down? The oh, fence? we did. We did. Long um, into the night. I uh, I have a proud owner of a few hundred. Michael's actually using right now uh, Craig Lowndes' one hundred stubby cooler. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. And I've got a t-shirt And I'm sure Michael has too And mine's still in my wrapper <laughs> Mine's Yours is not Your wife took it out Oh once. that's right She did Mine's still in the wrapper Yours has never been opened No mine still hasn't been opened I'm uh, keeping that So yeah No I think Lowndes can maybe do quite well here. The other Triple Eight cast, I think Win Cup's due to do quite well at a round soon. Yes. Uh, he's been struggling a bit this year and it's unlike him. And I think he's he's a world-class driver. Well, like Wink. He is an amazing driver. So he, he'll Cup bounce back soon. hasn't really struggled. He's still doing consistent results. It he's was doing this consistent. Round. Well, he's doing consistent, but he's not shining out like no, he normally he, does. No, he's not. But we also, we've just come off a round which is notoriously bad for Triple Eight. Exactly. I um, think. I think. Let's see what the bounce back's like. Yeah, I think um, this can be a bit of a triple eight uh, bounce back. But in saying that, it's going to be a high grip surface. So you've got other cars up there, like the PRA cars, and you've got Bradley Jones racing cars uh, with Bright and Timmy. Tim obviously is going to be on a massive high coming to Darwin. He now knows how to win. Yes. He knows how to win, and that's important. He knows that he can win. That's something that's going to be really important to them coming to Darwin. As for a driver that's going to maybe uh, stand out from the weekend, very hard to say. I'd like to say Lowndes. I'd say Frosty's going to be there too. And fingers crossed uh, you're going to have someone like a, a Pye or a Tim Slade there as well. So those my probably my four. And Coulthard as well, obviously, because yep. Slade and Coulthard, they're hard to separate sometimes. Uh, but those are probably my four or five top drivers, I reckon. Well, fingers JD, you got to also keep an eye out for um, Caruso. He's done well here. He does. He does do well here. He does really well. It'll be interesting to see how the two HIT cars go this year. I wonder if they're not going to be magnets and just run into each other like they have been done in the last couple of years. Well, they were magnets at Winton last year and it didn't happen. No, no. They, they managed to somehow stay away from each other. I'm not sure how they managed it. Mustard got in the way. <laughs> So, Michael, what's your views on Hidden uh, Valley? Who do you think is going to be possible race winner? It's an interesting track because it's got a lot of different characteristics for your traditional V8 supercar tracks we go to. It No, but honestly, I think they do enjoy the drag race down to turn one. Yeah. We've both driven Hidden Valley and the main straights are... Like, you go, it's just straight, but... Yeah, it's... God it's, damn, it's fun. It's scary. Um, It's scary fast, yeah down that straight like i've outbroke myself once and i shut a brick going in that i'm like yep, yep i'm over the corner yep yeah yeah it's um i think like even gears last year was on rev limiter in practice mm. and i think it was in practice too last year he was hitting rev limiter down the straight in top gear yeah so fair enough they gear him down it's not it's not they're not going as fast as bathurst down conrod it's a pretty quick pretty quick track it's over a k long the front straight so yes. you got to think about that. That's a long way for a, a, a quite a powerful vehicle to push itself down that straight. Yeah, well, so my qualifying predictions, I, I think Triple Eight will bounce back. Um, Win Cup's done quite well in qualifying up here in the past. You can never write him off, but then you can't write off Frosty. think this will start to show the um, the top four in the championship standings. So you've got Win Cup, um, uh, McLaughlin, Frosty and Lounsey. Sorry, they weren't in the right order. But I think those four are the ones that are going to start to stand out now for the... I think all of them have a race win here except for McLaughlin. I don't know if he's won up here. Uh, I don't know. You'd probably have to check the stats, but I, I don't recall him ever winning up here. Um, not in the Volvo or the, or the Commodore. 
But yeah, the racing's so tight at the moment. I don't want to give you a full prediction. I'm giving you a top, like a four drivers that could me, do well. You're giving me a what I did to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's your fa- what's your driver gonna do this year? Yeah, I've got like 18 drivers <laughs> that I think could win. 24 of my favorite drivers <laughs> are gonna do well. <laughs> so JD, Formula One. Formula Eins. We'll start with Spain's results. No, I want to move on from Spain. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Spain. Wow, wow. Well done, Max. Max drove an unbelievably good race. I think uh, he had a couple of things go his way. Maybe, you know, a couple of cars run into each other. I don't know whether that helped or not. Maybe, Maybe with the a, race win. <laughs> a little bit of um, Red Bull strategy went his way, but we'll talk uh, about that later. Yeah, so with Max, he did a great job. Um, Red Bull gave him everything he needed to win, and uh, so did Rosberg and Hamilton. Yeah, they did. I was listening to the Nicky Lauda uh, interview on um, Sky F1, and basically he's he was quite blunt, and I liked it. He was very honest. They basically asked him, well, do you think you've just gifted Red Bull or Ferrari a win here? And he said, yes, all in 30 seconds. Very smart. And that was his words. And I think it's very true. Like Those boys there, they've got to think from... They're in a comfortable championship sort of uh, perspective. Mercedes is going to win this year's championship. Mercedes is going to win the drivers' championship. So, I guess that there's probably not too much of a worry other than they've just crashed and banged up a lot of gear that's worth a hell of a lot of money. Twelve hundred parts they had to check on those cars. Yeah, and which won't be in the hundreds of thousands. That will be in the millions of dollars um, worth of gear that was wrecked. So, it's a real worry, and there could be, no matter how much checks you do. There could be other fatigued factors. Engines don't like getting big shocks from... Um, so, like with sprint cars, if you roll over a sprint car, they like to crack test everything inside the engine. I don't think with these um, Formula 1 engines that they're allowed to pull them down. I think they're all sealed. So there could be other issues that could form from this, from quite a big shock into each other. Ricardo versus... Uh, so the Ricardo three-stopper versus the... Uh, Two-stopper of the Max, Stappen. yeah. Ricardo feels like he's been robbed a bit. I And I, I tend to agree with him a little bit. They put him onto what is the fastest strategy. They've, they run these strategies through their computers. They go through them before the race meeting. They run them on the simulator... And they do them over and over and over. So they take the fuck factor out of it for everyone, Michael. And it's a bit of a worry that three-stop strategy is a faster way to get to the end. From zero laps to 67, I think there was on the weekend. Yeah, I can't something remember. like that. So from zero laps to 67, you know, that's the fastest way to get there. No other cars on the track. Uh, this track you cannot pass on. You can, it's very hard to pass on this track in a Red Bull. They don't have the straight line speed of the Ferrari, and that is basically who they were competing with. So it's very hard for them to come out of this and go, here's a three-stopper. By the way, you're behind two Ferraris. Have fun out there. Good luck. Yeah. I don't think uh, Red Bull have strategically tried to ruin Daniel's race. No, JD, I don't think they've tried to ruin his race, but I definitely think think they tried to improve Max's race. I do think so as well, and Weber was quite vocal on it in his tweets. Weber's vocal about everything nowadays. He's left (laughs) F1, he's like, screw you guys, I'm going to tell you what I think, now I can. Yeah, he he tweeted something about, uh, I'm not sure of the wording 100%, but it basically went along the lines of, um, 
Red Bull loves records. And now we got four records in one day. That's a pretty good cash-in of records, I reckon. Four records one day. They needed to justify moving him to that new, the, that oh, team. It was a masterstroke. Uh, they needed him in the team. The Toro Rosso team was fighting. It all sort of worked out well. Um, and this validated it. And I think Red Bull needed that publicity-wise. They needed to validate this. There was a fair few people that were standing back saying it shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. They needed to make it a, a, a positive move. And according to everyone that was at the track, they said they've never seen Red Bull. Or sorry, not never seen. They reckon Red Bull actually looks so energized in the pits. This is in practice. This is in the, like you know Friday night when they're doing stuff from the cars. There's so much energy in that pit again that they've really lifted and they feel like it's sort of back to that Sebastian Vettel era. So we can't tiptoe around the elephant in the room about Spain. No, I Who think it's pretty obvious. Who was at fault in your eyes? I think they're... In my eyes, I think they're both at fault. Yep. Um, yeah, look, um, I did put a post up on my Facebook to just see what my mates were thinking as well, and none of them agree either. So there's a lot of opinions out there. Personally, my view is they both caused it. I think Rosberg had every right to close the door. Hamilton would have done exactly the same thing to Rosberg. Yep. I think Rosberg would have pulled out and not tried to jam it up the inside. I think Hamilton thinks that he's got Rosberg psyched. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that if he goes for a move, Rosberg will give him space because he, he knows he's committed. Well, that all being said is I'll put it in the... um. The words of um, JD, Rosberg will drive Hamilton into the sticks. Yeah, we might need to throw a quote in there from last <laughs> our first ever podcast because it was pretty accurate. It was. <laughs> I um, I had a good chuckle when I was editing that after the race. Yeah, it, it would be interesting to see how the dynamic between them is at Monaco. I really, that was a I don't bad think place for them in 2014. Their relationship won't be the same and one of them's got to leave the team. What do you think of Lauda's comments? He was pretty succinct straight after the incident when they interviewed him and they asked him and he said it's it's Lewis's fault. He's yeah. too aggressive and uh, and basically too aggressive in making a move on his own teammate. What do you think? Do you think Lauda should maybe have held that back or do you like the fact that Lauda... What's yeah, your view, Michael? JD, I think Lauda's never been one to really hold back a comment. I think if it was another team... If it was a Ferrari Hamilton was fighting with, give it a shot. But the last thing you, like, number one rule is, yeah, beat your teammate, but don't take your teammate out. Yeah, he was recorded as he had told them just before the meeting, don't hit each other. It's really hard to place blame on anyone. Rosberg was stuck in that conserving energy mode or what they say. Anyway, he was, you can yeah, see the he was footage of him um, he was adjusting harvesting. something on his steering wheel going I think Rosberg turn. they said he was in the wrong mode but I think Rosberg was playing strategic I don't think he I think he knew he was going to he was I think always going to move the inside line he was always going to cavil Hamilton and make Hamilton go the long way if he wanted to try and get around around the outside mm-hmm. and I think he was conserving energy for later in the lap sort of along the straight where Hamilton could sort of get a good slipstream on him. Yep. So I think he was harvesting. I think it was a bit of bullshit that they were saying, oh, he was in the wrong engine mode. I think he was deliberately in that mode because he was harvesting energy where Hamilton was 
burning through it like he there was going out of fashion. He was just trying to get that yeah, power yeah. and scoot past well, him. Well, because Hamilton did get past straight into turn one around the outside. I know. He drove. It was really nice to see them actually giving each other room for a change as well. Right Didn't, up until turn four. Yeah, and right up until... Well, turn three, actually. I think turn four was the one they come off sideways into the gravel trap. My views on Lauda was basically... I like it. I like the fact that Lauda really... Just tell us it how it is. Well, and Lauda, I, I, I will miss that. If Mercedes get rid of Lauda and they no longer have him out there saying it how it is, I will miss that. Yeah, I quite enjoy how Lauda and even Jackie Stewart, they're, they're more than happy to speak their mind. And like, who's going to tell them, no, you can't say anything? So we've got um, Monaco coming up. Yeah, Monaco, um, a strong aero track. It'll be interesting to see. It's not a power-dominant track. Um, it will be interesting to see if Ricardo or Verstappen get the, the new B-spec engine. All I can see reading all the news about it is basically um, it looks like Ricardo is going to get the new engine. Yep. Um, I don't know how much of a gain, really. They're calling half a second a lap, but I don't think they're talking about Monaco. No, I think you're they're not talking about half a second at Monaco. Yeah. It's going to be Canada that this new engine is really going to shine. Canada, Monza, these long straights where they need power to overcome their aero. Um, I don't think they're going to have that much of a gain in in Monaco from the new engine. Maybe a tenth a lap or so, and um, that'll be it'll be awesome to see. But not that they really need it too much in Monaco because no. I think they have probably the strongest um, car at the moment. They're definitely still a really aero car. They're a contender for a race win at Monaco. Like this has got to be on one like if they Christian Horn has got Monaco circled in his calendar as winnable. Definitely, I think they can. Um, maybe even get a, a double podium out of this. If Mercedes do anything wrong, Red Bull will be there. Mm-hmm. Ferrari, Ferrari will be back. Um, I was reading some interesting stuff about Ferrari because going back to Spain, um, they've really struggled in qualifying and they put it down to tyre pressures. Basically, they reckon Mercedes and Red Bull have cut tricky ways of lowering their tyre pressures. So it's by cooling the inside of their rims. So the, the vents in their brake drums, basically that go around their brake discs and calipers, have designed to move the air away from the tyre and basically keep the rim cooler, which then keeps the tyre cooler, which then keeps the overall pressure down. See, that's why you got to pay the big bucks for F1. For some smart person to come up with all of that. Oh, they've come up with some crazy things. So they reckon there's lots of these little tricks that are coming in. Ferrari hasn't employed any of these tricks with tyre pressures. They've just taken what Pirelli's doing with their standard, with their old you know, brake packages and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ferrari started developing one last meeting. I think they, they, they tried it, but they really missed the missed the mark in Spain with this. It was really showed in qualifying. They were really weak. They were a long way down. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if they would have beaten Red Bull because yep. Red Bull were the closest. Red Bull was quick. So Ricardo's time was, I think, 0.6 off uh, Mercedes, and that's the closest any cars qualified to Mercedes in like three or four years. Yeah. So, J.D., Qualifying Monaco this mm. weekend. Yep, can't wait. <laughs> That's uh, not what I want. <laughs> I don't know, Michael. What do you reckon? I think Red Bull's going to be strong. I think top three for me will be. I don't think Ferrari going to be there for. Them. I think it's going to be the two Mercedes and Ricardo. Yeah. Maybe even Max. Yeah, I think that I'm. I'm with you. I was going to say. I'm hoping Ricardo. Fingers crossed. Yeah, let's go. Fingers New engine. Ricardo. Between the two Mercedes, I don't think there's going to be much in it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Hamilton gets pole. Condolences uh, to a local uh, 
racing identity from up here that pretty much everyone in the Territory knows. Yeah, I think everyone, if, um, those who were, well, if you're up here, if you're from the Territory anyway, you know who we're about to talk about. Uh, Phil, Phil Kerr from up here, he, he raced, um, sidecars in the, in the, at Speedway back in the eighties and or the seventies and the eighties until he had a massive accident and he, he got paralyzed from, um, he passed away last weekend and it's a big loss for all of the territory. It is. He's one of those ones. I haven't actually done any motorsport racing up here, but you knew of him. You go down to the track, you'd see him. Phil had the best attitude out of pretty much anyone you could ever meet and he never let him get him down. He was always at motorsport. He lived and breathed it. He supported a lot of people get into solos and stuff like that when he couldn't race anymore. He mm. helped younger people that could not afford to race what was get his, into it. What was he saying? I'm not disabled. I just can't walk. Yeah, he, he Phil's view was that he wasn't disabled. He just couldn't get up and walk. And so, and he had massive fun. Phil had a 11 second street car, and this is a fellow that drove with a little wheel on a the, little on, wheel on the hand. on the, on on his um on his steering wheel so he could steer. This guy was crazy. The Territory lost a legend. They have. Um, um, condolences to the family. Well, that's it for us this edition on Breaking Late. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, JD. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. It's been great. This is our first real episode that we've got out there now with the pilots out the way. Yep, and we've had some great feedback from you guys, so keep sending it in. You can do it on Facebook. We're Breaking Late. Um, on the Twitter handle, we're BreakingLate underscore FM or write us an email at BreakingLate at Gmail. Yep. Uh, more feedback you give us, the more we can tailor this uh, uh, podcast to suit everyone out there. So we're really looking forward to hearing from you guys. Any questions that you want us to talk uh, and uh, topics you want us to talk about in the next episode, especially if you get it in just after Monaco, uh, that would be great because yep. we're going to bro- we'll be recording again next Monday. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're aiming to put out 19 episodes this week. We've upped our quota. Yeah, we're now doing every Formula One and every V8 Supercar round for the rest of the year. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We can't. <laughs> We're going to really try, guys. So if we miss a week, <laughs> don't, give us a break. Don't murder us. We're, we're trying our best. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll be really trying to push some episodes out now. We'll catch you guys after Monaco. Yeah, after Monaco. I'm looking forward to the race weekend, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you then. Bye. Right. Bye.